Happy Thursday, everyone. I'm Alexa Scottsko, and welcome back to the chat. Before diving into today's episode, I want to announce some exciting updates about the podcast. First off, I am so thrilled to welcome Katia War as our second host. Katia and I will be releasing episodes every Thursday and will feature interviews from students, professors, and deans. Ho Yan Ho, Sandra Lopez, and Sophia Hooper are also joining this lovely team of women and will be working behind the scenes to ensure the episodes are the best that they can be. I am so thankful to all these girls and so happy our community and audience is growing. And now, on to the episode. As many of us know, COVID-19 has led to the death of over 931,000 people around the world and has caused instability to almost every sector of the economy as well as many governments. Women, whether or not suffering from COVID directly, are facing extreme hardships. COVID-19 is severely affecting the health, safety, and overall well-being of women and girls around the world. So therefore today, I will be discussing how women are affected at a more dangerous rate by this pandemic in terms of women healthcare workers, violence against women, unpaid work, and the increasing gender inequality. While doing research for this episode, I came across a statistic that didn't really surprise me, but did upset me. The statistic is that 70% of healthcare workers globally are women, yet only 30% of leaders in the global healthcare workforce are represented by women. I'm sure most of you aren't shocked, as you know all too well that women are underrepresented in almost every sector. But when you see this happening during a global pandemic, and to the first responders that risk their lives every day, it makes you realize that women are not being considered for their decision-making skills, but instead for their labor, or as I should say, their underpaid labor. How can we as women be served properly through healthcare services if 70% of the leadership is made up by men? Women are being left out of the key decision-making and response strategies to COVID-19. While performing more community-level work, and seeing firsthand how destructive this virus is. In general, women healthcare workers face structural inequalities such as the shortage of personal protective equipment fit for women's bodies, underrepresentation in field leadership, and lower pay than men. During a global pandemic, this is enhanced to a concerning level, especially when it comes to masks and gear that is most protected against COVID-19. The next time you clap for or thank your healthcare heroes, take a moment and realize that women make up the majority of our front lines, and they deserve to make up our leadership as well. After learning this information, I reached out to a female healthcare professional working at a hospital in New York City. She is one of the few women that holds a high position at this particular hospital, and I thought it only fitting that she discuss her experience. I will not be sharing this person's identity or the exact hospital in which they work, as they ask to stay anonymous. Due to COVID-19, technical difficulties, and the chaoticness of both of our schedules, we conducted this interview over email, and I will be sharing her words with you. To make this easier to follow, I will be referring to her as Jane Doe. Jane is the assistant to the Chief of Medicine, and has been working in the healthcare sector for 15 years. When I asked her what her personal experience had been like in navigating a male-dominated leadership team, she expressed to me that it has been very difficult. She said that it can be intimidating at times, 
And sometimes you have to keep reassuring the male counterparts that you are capable of the work at hand. She said that it's more challenging for her as a female than it would be for a male doing the same exact work. Regarding the information about being underpaid, she said that women get paid so much less for doing a job, they do 10 times better than the males. Gender inequality is embedded in the system. You could be doing the role of the job of a higher position, however, get paid the equivalent of a lower position. The worst part is they don't, they won't even get promoted or receive the, the title to equate them to the work they are doing. When asked about the opportunity gap, she said that it has gotten better over time. There has been a small percentage of women who climb up the ladder and get those higher leadership positions. In her words, it's still not the best, but there has been progress made in my 15 years, and it gives the rest of us hope. On the note of hope, our next guest, Deborah Berholm Petka, will be representing the managerial side of healthcare as the Director of Organizational, organizational Development at Lowell General Hospital in Lowell, Massachusetts. All right, so my position title is Director of Organizational Development. Okay. So I oversee, um, as part of the Human Resources team, education, training, employee engagement, culture, leadership development, staff development, staff safety education, wow. workforce development, and um, that's about it. Wow. You do a lot. You're in charge of a lot. Um, but, and then which hospital do you work at in Massachusetts? I work at Lowell General Hospital. And we are part of a system um, called WellForce. Okay. Also includes Tough Medical Center, Melrose Wakefield Health, uh, Home Health Foundation, which is a um, home hospice, home care and hospice organization. Yeah. Um, and then how many? Okay, so obviously again, you know, kind of, I know that you said there is a lot more women leadership, which is great. How many women um, hold leadership positions in the hospital do you work at or um, that you know of? Okay, so on our executive team, the C-suite, yeah. out, of, out of seven people in our C-suite, five are women. Okay. Our chief uh, operating officer, our chief nursing officer, yeah. resources officer, uh, the head of our physician organization, and the head of physician services. So we only have two other men on the, on the um, executive team. Our, our chief executive officer and our chief financial officer. That's great. Yeah, because I'm, I'm honestly like really happy to that. And obviously, I didn't have a perspective on it that much. And just reading that, um, I kind of seen. And obviously, I know a lot of women are nurses as well, but they have like you know they still deserve to make up all those positions. Um, so, would you say there? Okay, so no, I won't ask this question. Um, I'll ask this one though. Are there less? Would you say like? Are there less opportunities for women to reach a higher level of positions, whether that be on like the positions available at the time or yeah, just other like gender inequality standards within, you know, the healthcare sector in general? I think our organization uh, is, is different and I, you know, 
can't speak for all hospitals, um, but I can say in, in our organization, having so many women in senior executive roles um, and having such a, a large population of our workforce, probably about 65% of our workforce um, is women. Again, a big, a big majority of that are, are women in nursing. I would say our average employee is probably a woman in, you know, her mid to late 40s to early 50s. Yeah. In, in healthcare in general, you're going to see a lot of women, um, you know, in especially at the bedside, whether it's nursing or the other clinical areas like um, uh, laboratory services, imaging services, um, you know, so in a lot of the bedside work, um, you, you'll see women. So I, I think in our organization, because we have so many women in leadership roles, um, yeah. even cascades down to the director role like I'm at, manager role, um, there is a, a culture in our organization of empowering women yeah. uh, in a very purposeful way to, um, you know, to raise women up in the organization to, to create opportunities. So one of the programs that I oversee is a leadership development program where right. we, um, we help brand new leaders. Uh, we give them a lot of training and development so they're successful. Yeah, we also do what we call succession planning, and that's where we look at our workforce and we say, who are the folks in our organization that are high performers and have a lot of potential, and how can we support them um, to grow? We do mentoring programs, so we are very purposeful, and that's a, a big part of my work. Yeah ways to accelerate um, women in leadership positions. And I think because we have women in leadership positions, <laughs> you know, we have a very unique perspective. And especially yeah. in the pandemic, yeah. we've, uh, you know, when you have women in leadership roles, they are very influential um, to, to other women in yeah. a positive way. So our part of our strategic goals, goals we set for the organization for the last few years, really focused on resilience. And that's a big term in healthcare right now, is to make sure we are caring for the caregivers so that we give good care. There's a lot of research out there that shows if, if you have people in your workforce engaged, quote unquote engaged, and that basically means they love what they do and they love where they do it. That's engagement. So there's research, and again, it seems logical, but there's tons of research that says when you have an engaged workforce, they deliver better care. One of the things we, we talk about, uh, a good example right now during COVID, is um, the research shows that hospitals that have high levels of employee engagement also have high levels of hand hygiene usage. And as engagement declines, so does hand hygiene. So you're more likely to be infected in an organization that has unhappy workers. So it's great to do it because it's the right thing to do to have happy workers, but it's also very purposeful in creating a safe environment. So we've been focusing a lot on taking good care of our workforce and or that they are feeling well cared for in, in building resiliency, like really building up um, the mindset of, of self-care. It's a big part of what we do. So we've been looking at it for the last couple of years. We've been doing training. We set it as one of our strategic goals. So when it came time to deal with the crisis of the pandemic, 
we were really mindful of that. So from the very beginning, our chief operating officer, who was also a former nurse, <laughs> leading the, the pandemic response, mm -hmm. we need a wellness officer. We need somebody who is, as we look at things that are important like PPE, and um, staffing and resource and communicating with the CDC. We need, also need somebody who puts a priority on the wellness of our team. So just having somebody be mindful of that, another woman on your team to be mindful of, of that because you are caring for yourself, you're caring for your family, you probably have kids at home, you're yeah. giving this to your parents. So there was really a, a great mindset of that right from the beginning and um the leaders our chief nurse our chief operating officer every week we would meet every day multiple times a day mm -hmm. on friday on our meeting agenda it was what's your resilience plan so every every friday we would all say to each other and and women would lead and it's so powerful you know when you see other yeah. empower you uh -huh. Okay, it's important that you get some rest this weekend. I know we're working around the clock and we're working on weekends, but find whatever your resilience is, whether it's to go for a walk, get exercise, spend time with families, take a nap, whatever it is, have a plan. And then they would tell us what their plan was. And so from the top down, it gives you permission mentally, you know, yeah. to take a break because the people above you and especially other women are saying this is really important it's important to take care of you so you can take care of our patients that is that's no yeah that makes a lot of sense and i think it makes so much sense that because there are women leadership positions being held by women then it makes things a lot easier and obviously i think that's i think that's really cool that you guys obviously make it such a priority to like do the resilience and make sure that your workers and healthcare workers are feeling good and healthy mentally and physically um which is just like really really cool to see and i think it's a great perspective and i'm really excited to honestly like put this in the podcast because i think it's good to have that positive view of what how, how beneficial it can be you know and how much it's needed yeah because it's it's big ways and small ways so like the that's the big way like we talk yeah. resilience it's in our strategy map but in small ways it's through things like mentoring and it's funny just before i got on with you i got a text from the nurse managers so yeah had a mentoring relationship she went through the um my leadership development classes and so we've clicked so every once in a while i check in with her she checks in with me her kids first day of school so i i checked in i'm like how did first day of school go you know what are you doing how's things do you have what you you know i'm sending her little you know memes back and forth and, but those are the small ways where i as another organization can reach out to her yeah how you doing make sure you're taking care of yourself because now she'll go to her nurses right mm -hmm. she'll bring them coffee tomorrow yeah. she'll make sure people are getting the time off they need yeah cascades down from the organization but it, it has to start at the top no yeah that makes so much sense and i think it's really interesting because i even read 
for like why women leadership in like countries who are doing better with COVID. And an article came out and it said that it's because women have more empathy and have just better interpersonal skills. And I think it's really interesting to even see that like when you're talking about it, because it's so true, like kind of, and I don't want to see it just a woman trait, but when you do something for someone or you check in on someone, it makes you want to check in on other people. And like, if you're pursuing that in your, you know, business work and in your personal life, like texting her on the side, I think that's such like a big thing. And like you said, it cascades down, you know, it can make such a big difference on a huge scale. So I think that's like really interesting to hear, especially from the perspective of in hospitals, you know, not just leadership of countries within hospitals, which is obviously so needed right now. And like you said, like when your workers are happier, they're going to do better. They're going to be more sanitized. And I think that's just so interesting, um, which makes a lot of sense, and it should be, you know, a norm. But I think it's like really great to hear that, and to, I'm gonna, I'm really excited to put that in, just because I think a lot of what I have right now is not necessarily negative. I think it's like needs to be heard, but I think that's just like a great thing to show how beneficial it is. Honestly, I think so often we hear the negative things, um, and they're out there. Yeah. To, to learn from the positive, I, I think, resonates so much more, you know? Yeah. I, mean? No, I mean, I've learned so much even through this, you know, and I think I'm really excited to, like, hear about it and how much just, like, because obviously I'm not necessarily going into, like, a healthcare sector, like, you know, Kate or Issa want to do, but I think it's really interesting to hear how it, that, that interpersonal skills or those, that empathy affects everything you do. You know, it, it really does. And I think that's so cool because you don't have to, you know, it, it's an all fact, it's not just one and the other. And like, you need that in order to succeed as a, as a workforce. So I think that's really, really great to hear. Well, and especially for women, you know how much we're influenced by each other, right? Yeah. And to have another woman yeah. say, I believe in you or this yeah or yes child care is reality you know yeah. i think people are are i don't know at least for me when when the kid you know when kate and mitch were little mm -hmm. leaders who understood you know what it was like to be a mom yeah flexible with me and um i worked even harder because yeah. i was so grateful for that that um that opportunity and i always make sure i pay that forward um with women who work for me yeah because I, you know you can't leave yourself at the door you should be able to bring your whole self to work yes being a mom that means being a friend that means being a wife that means being a partner that you know yeah. whatever that means and so when other women give you permission to do that um i think it just feels so different yeah, and I think I, I, I write about that as well later on about just like unpaid work and um, just the kind of in a way how gender inequality is kind of, it's like, or gender inequality is increasing online just because a lot of work that's been done is kind of falling back because so many women have, even like when I married this summer, you know, and we would talk a lot, I talk a lot with the mom and it was hard because she said that in her management that people up high didn't really like understand as much and didn't get that probably because a lot of times they're either male leaders or they're women without children and that's obviously totally fine but i think you know she said that she struggled a lot because they forgot that she had kids this one, before i started nannying and she'd be like what's that noise in the background you know because she's working from home like oh it's my it's my kid you know it's my child and i write about that later on and how so many kids are home from work and it's kind of like making that decision again of like do i put my kid first and spend time to teach them and take off hours of work and not you know lose opportunities so i think it's great that like you have such a you you guys as like a management have such a positive and like, um active like out, outlook outlook to it and like you are actually putting those actions in 
Because often. Yeah, and we really try to, you know, pay attention. Although, we, you know, we don't have on-site daycare. Um, yeah. Uh, but we, you know, we have a, a, a program with care.com. To oh, that's great. Yeah, to, it's one of our employee benefits. Um, and we subsidize some of um, some of the first visits with, with um, caregivers. So whether you have, you know, your parents, um, yeah. adult people in your family or children in your family, um, that's one of the benefits that we offer. Um, and we uh, have a program called Employee Assistance Program, EAP. Mm-hmm. Another resource, um, it's, it's almost like uh, comprehensive services around all of our employees. So whether financial assistance, college planning assistance, retirement assistance, mental health assistance, um, you can call one number and they can put you in the direction. Um, and we pay for that, so it's all free for our employees. Yeah, I think that's great. I just think that's great. I think, like you said, it really does cascade down, which I can just see when you're talking about it, like just see the in my head of it happening um and how that just like it's it just it's very cool to hear as like a student too to see how much like those little things affect your work life and are needed and how those little moments you have with people outside of work or through text really do like connect you back to them within the workplace yeah and i think the workplace you guys are going into is so different than when i left college you know i i've always worked in kind of dominated industries I was in education I was in educational publishing now in healthcare where there are more more women I'll tell you um, I I feel like it's so much more acceptable like when I was when when the kids were born like it was a big deal like I wanted to work at home a couple of days and and that was a big deal not a lot of people did that Um, you know they were like, well, we'll try it out. And I, and I was like, oh, my God, I've got to be on my best behavior because I don't want to lose this opportunity. But I worked really, really hard to even get them to a place where they would think <laughs> possible. <laughs> but now it's so much more common. You know, there's yeah. so more work from home options. There's so much more flexibility. Yeah. And we're there by any means. Um, a hundred percent. There is there is an opportunity. And I think even like later in my thing when I'm talking about that, I say you know it's kind of gone from the first question you know businesses or companies sometimes would ask you, and we sometimes still do is, are you planning on having children? And that would be like a very that's illegal. Thing. That is illegal. They should never ask you yeah. that. But like what happened where now it's like what the businesses and companies should be offering is no, we you know we have paid maternity leave. Like you know it's like that 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 change around, which I think is very different i think you know like a lot of women have worked so hard for that to happen um and not be a stressor and obviously that still happen you know people you, you have children and that's a hard balance in general but you should it's hard because you should never be able you should never have to pick between your life right. and your children which i think is kind of what is happening to a lot of women during this pandemic just because you know of not being able to find people to like you know nannies not being able to afford it exactly or even like in healthcare, that you know you don't you don't a, there are a significant amount of our employees who don't have the work from home option. Yes, exactly. Home option isn't easy because we have some people who are working from home and they do have young children and they're managing school. Yeah. It's really challenging. But there's a whole group of our nurses who just don't have the work from oh, yeah. home option. And so having access to good daycare is important. Yeah. Having flexible schedules is important. Um, because you're right, we're going to lose a lot of women in the workforce in general. Mm-hmm. Not only industry, but government helps figure out ways to yeah. support families. 
in your experience, like going through and working up on it, have you seen, like what is your experience with, let's say gender inequality? And I know you even just said like you had a good experience in a lot of ways with seeing women leaders and being able to talk to them about, you know, having your kids at home. But if you did experience anything, that would be obviously really interesting to hear and, or if it, how it's changed. Yeah, I feel like, again, I like I said, I've been in industries, like when I was a teacher, most people working in schools, are in, in elementary schools are teachers. I yeah. educational publishing, but all the people there were former teachers. So there's a lot of women there. Yeah. There's a lot of women. And I, I think I've gravitated to, towards those places, I think, yeah. because um, I see the value in working in a predominantly female environment yeah. there's definitely a, a lot of a lot of perks to that yeah it, it it changes i think the culture of an organization i think um uh it's easier to lead with compassion and not saying that men can't be compassionate and our ceo is a man and he's very compassionate but i just think there's a a different vibe I, i've always well, I worked for a, I worked for a man. Uh, my first VP here at the hospital was a man. I worked for him for seven years, and he he was he was very compassionate and lovely and kind. Mm -hmm. um, but I've a majority of my work time has been working for women. Yeah, and I'm sure having you know women in the those leadership positions under them, or you know even like working with them, changes that too. You know, and how it can not just not that they can't be compassionate by themselves, but the environment, like you said, that is created by the, you know, the programs you have and the work relationships you have. So I think like in general, like you said, it can just affect it all around and how other people act to, to, towards it well, as well. And I think industries are seeing, uh, even more capitalist industries, seeing that having good culture and having compassion ultimately impacts their bottom line. Mm -hmm. I have a book for you to read or to at least look up is, uh, it, uh, there's a great website. It's called Firms, F-I-R-M-S, Firms of Endearment. Okay. And they're on the, the book's on the second edition. Um, but when I did my master's, I did a, I did a project on this book. Yeah. Paired what they call these firms of endearment, firms, uh, organizations with really good cultures. Yeah. Strategic alignment to culture versus the S&P 500 and organizations with good culture outperformed the S&P 500. Companies like Patagonia, yeah. well, Whole Foods before Amazon, um, uh, um, Southwest Airlines, like really big companies that make culture a priority. Yeah. They keep their employees, they hire better, they have better pay, they have better benefits, and yeah. they have better outcome because they've taken good care of their employees and their employees are gonna take good care of the customers. Yeah. Look that up, there's some good research there. Yeah, I my notes, so I'll definitely- Women focused, but it's, it's, um, it's interesting research. Yeah, no, that is super cool. I didn't even know about that, but that's like, you know, I think when you said it, it it's, it is that culture, and I think that's like even through this, I'm learning that. And you know, you like you even said, Whole Foods, well, Amazon now just changed completely. And even when you have people, I mean, I've had you know, my aunt was working for a company, and then another company took over it and it just changed completely. Like, it just because you know, you can be working with the same people, but when you have a head of a place or a company that doesn't prioritize that, it can really change the whole atmosphere and the environment. Absolutely, not as 
you know, um, productive. We know how important it is to uh, to be a competitive pair and attracting and retaining mm-hmm. good staff. So I can I can speak to that. I, I know that's part of our practices. But as far as gender equity, I would I wouldn't be the best person. I no, yeah. That. No, that's great though to hear. And I, yeah, I think I think that's it. I mean, that's I'm really excited to have this on the podcast. Again, my perspective is a 30 years in industry. Yeah. You know, like for you guys, for you and Kate, like, uh, you know, I think it's changed, but it's changed over 30 years. But it's not where it's supposed to be. (laughs) Definitely not equity and parity. But I'll tell you, one of the things that um, all of the um, issues with racism and Mm anti-racism up in the last couple months have elevated the conversation about not just anti-racism, but diversity, equity, and inclusion in general. And so I think when we raise up um, that mindset, it's, it benefits it benefits everyone. Yeah. Um, you know, our focus definitely should be anti-racism. Well, yeah. One of the things we've done at the hospital, we've had diversity listening sessions, and I bring groups together with our executive team, um, and we've had members uh, of our staff who are black, Hispanic, all different, ba- you know, racial and ethnic backgrounds. Mm-hmm. Also, representation from the LGBTQ community that that works for us, um, different abled people mm-hmm. on our workforce, and we've been talking, and it, it's been great for our executive team to be hearing directly for them. Yeah, their you know. Um, situations of bias, um, limitations in, um, in how we grow employees, um, feelings of discrimination. And so it just puts the whole conversation out there. And so uh, some of the conversations have been around gender, uh, around um, gender equity for our physicians, access to board positions and things like that. So just having the conversation and elevating it in the organization has, has reinvigorated a conversation around gender that may not have happened had we not been having a, a conversation about racism. Yeah, it's elevated the conversation about equity. Uh, we talk about okay. And inclusion for a long time. Yeah. We didn't talk about equity. Uh, and equity is different than e- equality. You know, like the, the visual that I use are um, like uh, three kids behind a fence and they can't see over the fence. Yeah. And you give them all the same size box. boxes. Yeah. Have you seen that one? And then, like, but some of them can't see because of, like, yeah. Right, so everybody's got an equal box, but that doesn't help them see over the fence. That's the difference between equity and equality. And so we get to equity. We want to give people what they need. Give them the right box height so they can see over over the fence. And the tall kid doesn't need the box, right? And that's my privilege, right? The kid doesn't need a box. He sees over the fence fine. Don't worry about him. He's good. Yeah. Other people over here, they... Thank you so much to our guests. Your voices and experiences bring so much awareness and we wish you the best. At the beginning of this process, I was only going to discuss the effects that COVID has had on women healthcare workers and health services particular to women. However, I soon realized that this was far from fair and would not be the type of informative episode I desired. This council and this podcast is interdisciplinary, meaning that all women must be heard and all women's voices and issues must be addressed, especially when it comes to the effects that a global pandemic can have. 
So this brings me to the increasing violence against women during COVID-19 at home, within chat rooms, and in public spaces. Since lockdown began in many countries, there has been a 25% increase in domestic violence reports and emergency calls. In general, the majority of women do not, who do experience domestic violence don't report the crimes or find help. So during a global pandemic, when a lot of women and girls have to be contained in the same housing as their abusers due to lockdowns, they will feel even more isolated and not be able to reach out to their social circles of friends and family. According to the UN, 243 million women and girls ages 15 to 49 have experienced sexual and or physical violence by an intimate partner in the past year. If you or someone you know needs a resource, please visit thehotline.org or call 1-800-799-7233 or 1-800-787-3224 for TTY. Or you can text all caps love is to 22522. I'm sure that all of you can already see and feel how COVID-19 has heightened and intensified women's issues in all realms. The struggles we face every day are inherently linked to each economic, health, political, and environmental issue. And therefore, when an economic recession, pandemic, or elections occur, election occurs, we have so much to lose. So when the pandemic began to spread, intensifying as every day passed, the economy felt this on a huge scale. And women, in particular, are feeling this economic shock at elevated levels. The Kinsey Global Institute discovered that women's jobs are 1.8 times more vulnerable to this pandemic than men's jobs. And while women make up 39% of global employment, they account for 54% of overall job losses. The reasoning behind this? Female jobs are 19% more at risk than male jobs because women are disproportionately represented in sectors negatively affected by the COVID-19 crisis. Women also tend to hold greater insecure jobs in the informal sector, giving them less access to social protections like health insurance and paid sick leave, protections that are necessary, especially during a global pandemic. Another factor contributing to the increased threat on female jobs are their children. Around 1.5 billion students are at home, meaning no longer going to school as of March 2020, according to the research done by unwoman.org. Mothers around the world are being underpaid, losing opportunities, being fired, or having to quit their jobs in order to care for their children, a burden that should not be solely put on them. And to be clear, women, pre-pandemic, usually earn and save less money than men, putting extreme amount of pressure on mothers, especially those of single-parent households. Many are having to give up hours of their working schedule to feed, watch over, and even teach their children, a balance that is simply impossible to achieve. I'm sure the majority of girls and women listening right now can attest to hearing the words, well, you can't have both. It's either your career or your kids at some point within their life. This standard could not ring more true than at this very moment. 
when many mothers are genuinely having to decide if they put their child in front of the TV for the majority of the day or take off more hours of work, get paid less, and possibly lose opportunities in order to stimulate and care for their child. Women from all walks of life have fought for years to create an inclusive and equal workspace, a place where the first question they receive is not, are you planning on having children, but instead a resounding, we offer paid maternity leave from the companies and businesses themselves. Now, a global pandemic is creating a frightening regress in all the progress that has been made. For everyone still listening, I want to say thank you for taking this time to educate yourself about the struggles women are facing during this crisis. It is important that we support each other, whether this be through spreading awareness or advocacy or action. We all need to stay educated and help, whether that be checking in on our family and friends or doing more research in our free time. Stay tuned for Katya's episode next Thursday, September 24th, Welcome to Zoom University, which will be taking a look at the concerns, problems, and praises of Northeastern students from their first week of hybrid classes. Also, if you would ever like to reach out to us, you can send an email to editorial at iwcouncil.org or send a DM to at neuiwc on Instagram. We are here to listen. Well, we've come to the end. So as always, stay safe, healthy, and take time to de-stress and care for yourself today. You deserve it. See you next time, and thanks for listening. Sources that were used include the following, unwomen.org and McKinsey and Company, as well as the interviews from Anonymous and Deborah Petka.